Welcome to the Elijah Streams podcast. Our mission is to encourage you in your faith through a unique blend of patriotism and prophecy. And now here's your host, Steve Schultz. Hey, happy Thursday, March. Is it actually 16, March 16, 2023? Welcome to Elijah Streams. I'm Steve Schultz, your host. It'll be a great show. We're going to bring Jane Hammond in here. We haven't had her on Elijah Streams before. We've done a number of conferences together over the years, but uh, this, I think, is the first Elijah Streams so uh, that that's going to be really really good. She's got a lot of good things to teach, uh, and I won't I won't give you any spoiler alerts uh, or spoilers. So uh, okay, before we bring her in, a quick reminder that Manuel Johnson will be with us tomorrow, and then uh, at the moment we're going to go ahead and run a spot for American Warriors, which we haven't done for a week or two. So let me read that, and then that will will also um, remind you of, of your giving and where it goes to. So here we go. So it says, today, Keith Sign tells us the story of how he became a Marine aviator back in the 50s. Instead of firing guns, his plane fired powerful cameras, selecting targets, assessing damage after the attacks, and probing radar sites along the Chinese and North Korean coast, often finding himself harassed by Chinese fighters. His experience later led to Vietnam and more. Here's a preview of that broadcast. Here we go. The other half of the squadron, uh, by that time we had gotten jets. The purpose of those flights were to uh, fly up and down the North Korean coast and up and down the Chinese coast to take uh, radar cuts to find out so that we could place where the, where the radars were then from, from those, they could develop jammers uh, in case we ever had to fight the Chinese or fight the North, North Koreans at that point in time. So I spent some time flying up and down the North Korean coast and uh, up and down the Chinese coast. So good. Sometime, I think probably next week, uh, I will share with you some video where we'll show you the hospital that you built in Uganda. Um, uh, many months ago, many months ago, we donated $150,000 to build. Money goes a lot further uh, overseas, uh, at least in Af- Africa it does. So for $150,000, it's a pretty nice hospital, small hospital. Uh, and we even bought an ambulance for them as well. So you're going to see all of that next week. So it's not just water, but it's life itself. So uh, you're going to love seeing that. We'll bring Mike and Lori Sally in on that. So, all right, it's time to bring in Jane Hammond. So here we go with Jane Hammond. There you are, my friend. It's been too long since we've talked with each other, hasn't it? Hi, Steve. It's so great to see you. Good to see you. We've, we've done a lot of conferences together. For people that wouldn't necessarily know, we were talking off the air you you were around when I was skin and bones, literally. I was under 100 pounds. They didn't know what was wrong. They kept trying to discern it. And I've said, mentioned this on the show a number of times. I finally found out that I had some big mass in, in my sinuses that they operated five times on. Uh, so and But uh, Chuck Pierce had prophesied to me, prob- you were probably at that meeting, and he said, when, when you're healed, you will, you'll then learn, have to start 
um, watching your weight or lose weight or whatever. So right now I'm in a weight loss program. Uh, but he, I had always prayed, Lord, please reverse this so that I want to eat so that I have to lose weight, you know, because I didn't want to eat. Food sounded terrible to me. And it was because of this infection. You know, my doctors thought I was depressed and my pastor thought I was depressed. And I told them both, I said, I'm not depressed. I don't feel dark. I just can't eat. You know, right. so anyway, I you look, tell, you look great. Thank you. You're very kind. I mean, you and when I got great. and I would prefer that we not have to discuss weight loss. Yeah, so. when we don't have to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's not our favorite subject, is it? So Anyway, oh yes, and then there's today and how what I have to eat and what I can't eat today. So anyway, well, listen, I want to tell people uh, something that it, it was to, next year will be 30 years uh, since this happened, and I'd gotten I was into the prophetic, but the Elijah list was not a thought in my head. I was interested in it, and I received on back back then there was a prophet that was a friend of mine. He sent me on cassette tape, and he said the Lord's basically calling you out to that it's time for you to be fruitful and he, and you're not being fruitful. Well, right at that time, someone told me about this uh, advanced prophetic course that was happening in Indiana by Christian International CI, which, which is started by your father-in-law, Bishop Bill Hammond. So I caught a flight and I went to that. It was like a long weekend. I can't remember if it was two or three days or something. And uh, I came home from that and my life was changed forever. I started prophesying, you know, Bishop said, now don't go home and tell people you're a prophet. Of course, I never have. But he said, just prophesy, just pray for people. And I started praying for people on, uh, just with that long weekend training, I, I started praying for people. I was already on the ministry team and just prophesying what, what the Lord gave me. And I started getting a lineup and pretty soon dream and the kids wanted to go every week at church because everyone was coming up to me, will you pray? So one thing led to another. And then three years later, the Elijah list started. So that, that was kind of a direct result. But had I not received the DNA that I got at, at your school, I can't remember if you were teaching then. Were you there? Well, I might have been. I, I've taught at a lot of those schools through the years. Um, yeah. Our, our base, obviously, is here in Florida. But that was yeah. one of the things that we were doing a lot of. The yeah, you actually had, there was actually one of your teachers named was Steve Schultz, which is. That's the, right. And right. I, re I remember that. So you had a Steve Show, Sharon Stone was a teacher, Bishop That's was there. Right. And those confused with the actress. That's right. Yeah. And so we had Sharon on just a few weeks ago. We, so we're, we're bringing the CI team on. So yeah. anyway, well, you've got some really good stuff to share. And I'm going to just turn you loose and, and I'll, I'll only interrupt if I want to clarify something. So okay, just great. go for it, Jane. Great. Thanks, Steve. Uh, it really is a, it, an honor to, to be able to speak to all of you about what's been going on. And I think that, you know, God is on the throne and there is no doubt about that. Great things are happening. Revival is breaking out. Awakening is breaking out. And we noticed at the very beginning of this year, both kind of the good, the bad and the ugly in the season that we're in right now, because on one hand, it was like every meeting we went to, there was an incredible presence of God. We started seeing people get saved, getting healed, experiencing a depth in their spiritual walk. We started seeing more miracles. And it was just like the goodness of God breaking out everywhere. Um, at the same time, I feel like we started fighting battles unlike any other wow. season. 
And, um, and it really wasn't just us, but I mean, across the board, especially it's in the been us, it's yeah. been us too. Yeah, it's been so bizarre because like, just, just speaking for us, um, we actually at CI have four generations running together in ministry. Wow. We have Bishop Hammond, we have Tom and I and our, and Tom's siblings that are in full-time ministry together. We have our children and now our grandchildren that wow. are also Lord together. So when you come to our church on a Sunday, you're liable to see four generations operating together, not just in our family, but we, I mean, we've got six and seven year olds that are getting up and taking the mic and prophesying. Really? Really? Mic drop moments. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I'd love to see that. In the middle of that, there was a multi-generational attack. Um, It started kind of interestingly at the bottom. My 12 year old granddaughter went through some very bizarre sickness and then about a week later, her mother got sick, got hit with some very bizarre sickness. About a week later, Tom's sister was in a car accident that Goodness. could have killed her. And then about a week later, Bishop was in a, a, a car accident, what not a car accident, but he had a, an accident where he fell and broke some ribs and broke uh, his kneecap in several places and had to be immobilized for a couple of months. And it was just like, you know, when it's one incident, you think, oh, you know, look at that. But then when you hear of other prophets, um, falling down the stairs and breaking their leg or falling and hitting their head or weird sickness or weird family stuff, you realize this is not just about us. This is a concerted attack of the enemy to try to take out the prophets, try to get us distracted, try to get us um, losing focus, um, having to deal with all this stuff. And it's very real stuff. I mean, we're still dealing with some of the fallout from that season of time. Everybody's doing better. Um, and everybody that I think I mentioned to you right now is actually doing better. But but the season has been probably one of the most intense seasons of spiritual battle that we've ever been in. But at the mm-hmm. same time, one of the most glorious seasons that we've ever been in. Wow, <laughs> so, all at the same time. And, and the, if, if, if we can add this in, I asked you off the air, how would you describe the fact that I guess the way to put it is that God allowed or didn't stop how, whatever words we would use those attacks. He didn't stop it or he, or he allowed it. What tell people what you told me. I don't, I don't want them to miss that. So the, so the, you know, the age old question is why do good things happen to um, bad things happen to good people? But I've really been studying a lot in the stories of Joshua and Caleb and the spies and going into the promised land. And uh, I was really struck by something the other day when It was God himself that told them to send the spies into the promised land. It wasn't just an act of somehow unbelief, but it was God himself because God was so excited to show them this amazing land of promise. And so the giants weren't there to instill fear in the people of God. The giants were there so that Israel could cross in and wipe out the giants and go from a slave mentality to a mentality of giant killers. Oh, wow. I mean, these things that we face are actually, in many ways, those are the giants. And I love what Joshua and Caleb said. They said, we eat giants for our bread. They said, we shouldn't be afraid of these situations because their protection has left them, but God is with us. And so I think that when we face these, I mean, very real, very traumatic situations, I mean, to be very honest, um, I actually had to raise my own daughter from the dead, Steve. Are you Um, serious? 
I, I did my word for 2023 has to do with the third day anointing and resurrection life. And on December 31st, my daughter actually um, had had a, a massive health event. And in the middle of that health event, she actually stopped breathing and I saw life go out of her. And I had to actually call life back into oh my, my own daughter. I could tell you that I could go the rest of my life and not have to do that again. Okay. Uh, it was a very, very traumatic, traumatic event. But the end result is my daughter is alive today. She's standing up and she's prophesying. She's wow. declaring the word of the Lord. She's not backing off. She's not backing up. And these are the things that sometimes we have to face giants, but giants are not there so that we can be afraid or worried. Giants are there so that we can begin to take on the mentality that God intends us to. And that is that we are giant killers. These so situations good. are giants, but we're giant killers. So good. Yeah. And to possess all the goodness that God has prepared for. That, that kind of reminds me, there's a Chinese, and I don't have this exactly, but I mean, there's a Chinese word. I think the word comes from our word for crisis. That's right. But the, but the Chinese word means, in our language, we know what crisis means. In their language, it, it means opportunity or something. Is that, do I have it's that about danger, right? Danger plus opportunity. Danger plus opportunity. Right. Well, if we could just see everything like that, you know, because <laughs> right. that's awesome. So, but we realized that we were in a spiritual battle. We realized that there had been something that had been purposely, intentionally set against uh, ministers, against the prophets, against our families to try to keep us on the other side of our promised land, uh, running in fear. I mean, if you remember what the children of Israel did, they said, uh, let's hire somebody else and take us back to Egypt. I mean, I'm telling you, I am not backing up. I'm not quitting. And I know most of these people that have been under attack feel the exact same way, Yeah, you know, is that we're going to just continue to press. Yeah. Them out. yeah. I mean, when I, that happened to me when I was in my absolute crisis and I was, like I said, skin and bones. And I kept saying my wife would come into the room and I was bed bound for four years, even while I was doing the Elijah list and she'd come in there and I, and she would pray over and over uh, with me. And I would say out loud, I will not quit. I will not quit. And I meant it, you know, and there was only one weak moment where I almost said, maybe God, you should take me home, take me home if it doesn't get better than this. And Doreen said, don't you ever pray that. Don't say that again. So from that, I've always, other than that one time, it's like, I will not quit. There's a solid, I was just set in stone on that. Well, you know, this year, I really feel like the part of the word of the Lord really has to do with this being the, the, you know, 2023 and or 5783, whichever calendar you're looking at. Yeah. And the emphasis is on the number three. And I, I believe it's the year of the Holy Ghost. Um, that three is the number of the Holy Spirit. And um, and it's the year of resurrection life. And so um, really, when you study this, the passages that talk about on the third day, you start getting this major revelation that that's wow. where God comes down and begins to turn things around. It's a time of divine reversals. It's a time of divine recovery, um, but it is a time of battle. And I mean, it's a time at, sometimes that we have to go through testing. I found this really amazing thing though, at the beginning of the year, Steve, that I think it was the day after um, I had to raise our, my daughter from the dead. I was reading the word and um, in, in, um, in John chapter 14, Jesus said, listen, I have to go away. Um, so that I can send the comforter to you. You probably all remember that passage and speaking about the Holy Spirit. And we all know that that word comforter is the word paraclete in the Greek. 
Um, it's translated comforter or helper or the the aid or help, you know, the one that comes alongside. It literally means our defense attorney. Oh, okay. wow. oh really? Yeah. When you actually get into paraclete, it's one that stands alongside uh, like a defense attorney. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Wow. In the courts of heaven. But what was very interesting is that I was reading in the um, in the Passion Translation, I was reading Brian Simmons notes. And he said that in the Aramaic, the word for comforter is very similar to Greek. Instead of paraclete, it's parakleta, parakleta. And parak means to finish, to end, or to save from. And leta means the curse. Oh, really? I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send another savior to you. And he's going to indwell you and he's going to end the curse. He's I love that. Oh my goodness. I've never heard that before, Jane. Isn't wow. That's Brian Simmons notes in the passion translation. But I tell you that lit me up because I realized that what we were facing, the enemy was trying to bring a curse against us, but the promise from the word always Deuteronomy 23, five, I've turned the curse to a blessing for you because I love you. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean that the enemy's not going to try to come, but what we have in Christ is the Holy spirit that indwells us, that gives us this curse destroying yoke, breaking anointing oh, that whatever wow. it is that we face, when we stir the Holy spirit up, he rises up. And he brings an end, a finish, and saves us from every curse. So good. So good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah totally. So good. So on, on January the 29th, we were in a service in our church. And the Lord just gave me a revelation about what it was that we were all fighting. And I prophesied a word against the spirit of Athaliah. And I realized that this was an assignment that was sent against ministers, their families. It was coming against generations. It was coming against people and their kids and their grandkids. It was coming against the prophetic ministers to try to back us up and back us off. And so I started, um, I had done a study years and years ago about Athaliah. Is, so that, I, is that a thing in the scripture? Does that mention in the scripture? So who Athaliah was is uh, you can actually find the story in Second Kings chapter 11. She was actually the, get this, the daughter of Jezebel and Ahab. Oh, really? Yeah. Not, not, not great heritage. Not, not a great bloodline. <laughs> not a great bloodline. Um, and so um, her son, Ahaziah, had, was actually king and he was killed in battle. And the story of Athaliah is that in order for her to seize the throne, she actually murdered all or almost all of her own grandchildren. Oh my goodness. She killed all the royal heirs so that there would be no challenge to her illegitimate rule. Now, let me just put this in perspective. Okay, when, um, when she did this, who she was wiping out was David's lineage. Oh David. My goodness. And remember, the prophetic word was that the Messiah would come from the limit from the lineage of David. Yeah. yeah. And so she failed in that she missed one of his grandchildren, one of her grandchildren, one a, a, a one year old. Um, and but she ruled for seven years, she is six years, actually. She ruled for six years in an illegitimate way and ruled through terror. Um, and when I actually looked her name up. Um, in the Strong's Concordance in the Hebrew, her name means three three words that I thought were very 
important for us to understand. It means affliction, constriction, and compression. Affliction, constriction, and compression. Wow. That's, the, that's what her actual name means. It means Jehovah has afflicted, and then she turned and 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 released affliction. So what affliction means is to um, to torment with uh, physical or mental pain. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Streams podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, go to ElijahStreams.com slash give. Okay. To torment with, I mean, think about Jezebel. We know how Jezebel was, okay? And all her witchcraft and and everything like that. So so Athaliah, um, her name, uh, the the word affliction means to, uh, to distress with mental or bodily pain, to trouble greatly, to overthrow or defeat, to impose a burden or to deliver a blow. So there was infirmity, there was accidents, there was crazy stuff happening to people through this affliction. Um, the constriction are actually is like the picture of the python snake that constricts and squeezes the life out of people. Okay. And that was part of Athaliah. She basically was, was cutting off and squeezing the life out of the, the lineage of David. And then interesting, the word compress actually means to cause you to contract or shrink back, to slow the natural growth or advancement of something. So see, when the enemy came, the reaction was draw back into ourselves, kind of hunker down, go into a siege mentality. We're under siege. Our generations are under siege. Uh, But no, God was saying, no, you're going to advance. You're going to break out. You're going to break through. (laughs) You're not going to quit. You're going to keep pressing the battle to the full. And so we recognize that this was a spiritual attack. And I prophesied about that on our Sunday service. I got on a plane on Monday and flew to another city and was ministering there. And uh, one of the ministers uh, there, her name's uh, Apostle Gwen Sutton, she, she came to me and she said, you know what, Apostle Jane, I just feel so concerned right now. The Lord spoke to me and told me that there's an Athaliah spirit coming against ministers. Really? She, she had no idea. She had no idea what I just prophesied the day before. We got a phone call that afternoon from uh, Prophet Marty Layton from Nashville. And he said, you know what? I woke up today like in a, like in a sudden um, alert. And I heard the Lord say, there's an Athaliah assignment. Goodness, man. the mouth of two or three witnesses. That is absolutely and confirmed. I'm telling you, that's two instances out of about four or five ministers that heard the same thing in the same week. That's crazy. I mean... You know, I was praying about something today and I was asking, Lord, you said two or three witnesses and I'm asking, and that was some other issue, but that was more than two or three witnesses. I mean, when you just told me that, I absolutely now can take it to the bank that that's what we're dealing with. Exactly right. Yeah. And it's like God saying enough is enough. Enough is enough. And, you know, so when we get any kind of time that we get under attack from the enemy, this is what the enemy wants to do. I mean, these three words basically sum it up. He wants to afflict us. He wants to constrict us. He wants to compress. He wants to back us up. He wants to back us off. He wants to keep us from advancing. And if he's got to use physical affliction, if he's got to come at your generations, he'll do what he has to do. And we have to recognize that we are in a battle. Um, but the, but the word tells us, Isaiah 54, 17 says, no weapon formed 
against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises up against you in judgment, you shall condemn. So there's witchcraft, there's curses, there's things that are being released. You shall condemn. Well, you know, I've got it right there. I don't think I've ever heard it that way. I've got no weapon formed against you. We all know that one. Every And then every tongue, we've heard that. But the last part of that, I've not heard, which wow. is you shall condemn. I, you know, I don't even know how that uh, takes place, how, <laughs> so how that applies now. So what you do is you just, you begin to make decrees against the word curses. You begin to make decrees. You bless those that have cursed you. That's what Jesus says. Okay. Mm -hmm. You forgive those that have cursed you. If you even know who they are, I don't think that we even know who they are because I believe that this is a, um, a blood altar. Um, I, we've, we deal with a lot of witchcraft in our area and, and go through times where there's blood altars and blood sacrifices. And I, to be honest, Steve, years ago, when we moved into the area and those things happened, it freaked me out. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, we had decapitated animals thrown on our doorstep oh and blood spilled on our property. Well, did you bless those that are in the process of, of doing witchcraft against well, you, you or is that a different them. category? You just forgive them. You know, we okay. forgive those that are doing these kinds of things against okay. us. And, but when I was freaked out, you know, the Lord said, you know, listen, why are you so freaked out about this? One drop of the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any blood curse or blood oath or sacrifice that the enemy can possibly bring against you. And so that's where we have to understand our authority in Christ. We're never helpless. We're never hopeless. The enemy will do the stuff that the enemy does, but we're never hopeless. We're never hopeless. And that we can actually rise up and condemn the very words that the enemy would speak against us. The rest of that verse says, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. It so it's our heritage that no weapons form. Against. I, I know uh, you well enough to know you strongly believe in decrees and, and I do too, but I mean, I learned more of that from you than probably almost anyone. That's right. Can you tell, can you give an example of what a decree would sound like? Let's say they don't know who is sending it, but it's probably witchcraft. What kind of decree would you say against the tongue? Would, would we make that? Well, we would start by decreeing the majesty of God, the goodness of God, the supremacy of God, okay? Mm -hmm. Because you have to set that. It's just like Jesus coming and saying, this is how you pray, our Father which art in heaven. You start in that place. You, you set the atmosphere in that way. And then you usually take some scriptures and you begin to make those decrees. I have a decree, if you'd like for me to speak it and decree yeah, it, please, about, yeah. about this athelized spirit, because that was part of, um, why we even, I, I wrote an article because see what was at stake in this whole thing was Joash and Joash. He was the last one. He was the one-year-old child. And this whole battle, when you actually study this story in, in second Kings chapter 11, it's all about covenant. It's all about God keeping his promises. It's all about the covenantal anointing that God said that he would keep his covenant from generation to generation, that God would, uh, that he would fulfill his word in bringing forth um, the, the seed of David, that Jesus would come from the seed of David. And what's so cool in this whole story, David, I, 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 in this story, Steve, is that uh, in the lineage of David, this last person in his lineage, his name was Joash. And Joash means the fire of God. Oh, wow. 
So wow. what is at stake in the season of revival, the season of awakening? It's the covenant of God, the fire of God, and yeah. turning the curse. So let me just yeah. let me just yeah. decree this over all of you that maybe you feel like you've been under this kind of assignment or this curse. So so here's what I would decree. I am bought by the covenant blood of Jesus, and I cannot be cursed. Therefore, I take authority over every demonic assignment against myself, my family, my ministry, my business, or my God-ordained leadership role. I break every assignment of Athaliah and every type of spirit that goes along with it, the affliction, the constriction, the compression. And I decree right now in Jesus' name that Jesus is my true king and I will serve him only. I declare I'm in covenant with God and that I'm going to be the intercessor, the reformer, and the watchman warrior that he's called me to be. I receive fresh fire from heaven so that I can complete my assignments and fulfill my destiny in the name of Jesus Christ. And so this is how we decree. We release the decree. We hear what God is saying. God raised up in this story, God raised up intercessors that got in the way of what the enemy wanted to do. That was the nurse that rescued yeah. the little boy. He raised up the high priest um, who was a reformer and a warrior and, uh, and set them in place. And you hear what heaven is saying and you start saying what God says. Job 22, 28 says, you shall decree a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your way. Um, Psalms 82, verse 10, uh, 81, verse 10 in uh, the Passion Translation says, open your mouth with a mighty decree. I will fulfill it. Now you'll see the words that you speak. So shall it be. Wow. Decrees oh. are powerful, Steve. Yeah. And saying you can't just think it. You can't just hope it. You can't just maybe believe for it. No, you've got to actually open and, up. Your and mind. let me just speak it right now because I know Julie's listening. So Julie, I know you're, you're listening from behind the scenes. Make sure we have a transcription of that decree and we will send it out. I think we may, I don't know, did we sent this, some of this out before, was that decree in it? Yes, it's certainly Okay, so, so we'll want to send it out again that decree, so that that decree goes out because people are now hearing it. So when we Absolutely. send out this program by email with a link, We'll have to make sure that that decree is in there. So absolutely. So I've, I've written a book called Declarations for Breakthrough because I've actually personally found in my own life that these that that things don't happen sometimes until you actually learn how to shift from just praying about a matter into decreeing a matter. OK, is I want to ask about the authority thing because I've heard all my life we don't understand the authority we have and, and right. it's almost become commonplace to hear that. But then there's a, a different place, which is when we understand that we possess that authority, it's an entirely different thing to understand that we have authority versus using it and commanding it from the place of 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 authority. I don't know. You have to go there mentally and say, I have the authority to do this and you have to believe it. I don't know what, how, how would you describe to people to get in that place to make that decree? Well, and I, and I do think that that understanding the the power of the decree actually unlocks that authority. Okay. So in, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, um, I will build my church. Most of us know that scripture and the gates of hell will not prevail against 
my church. I've given you the keys of the kingdom that whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Another translation says, whatever you forbid will be forbidden. Whatever you allow will be allowed. And what I think was very interesting is that Tom and I last year were doing a study on Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church. We, we always focus on yeah. the ecclesia part, which really does bring the shift from the mentality of being church to being ecclesia. Because for those listeners that may not be familiar with that, the word translated church is the word ecclesia. And ecclesia did not was not a spiritual term. It was not a synagogue term. It did not mean a gathering of spiritual you know, fellowship or anything like that. What it actually was, was it was the Greek Senate. So it, the word ecclesia means called out ones. So in the Greek culture, the ecclesia were those called out of the general population to form a legislative body, the Greek Senate, that would issue laws, edicts, decrees Amazing. that would the culture for the land. So Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, my body of spiritual legislators. See, now right there is the shift of understanding authority. Yeah. I mean, if we're just thinking of ourselves as church members that come together to sing some songs, hear a good message, maybe pray for some people, etc., then then we're kind of stuck in one mode. But when we start seeing ourselves as the ecclesia, that are, when we gather, we're there to legislate, we're there to forbid, we're there to allow. And when Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, that word, of course, does mean build or edify. But but when we were studying this last year, we saw something we'd never seen before, Steve. And what that word build also means is I will embolden my ecclesia. Oh, really? I will embolden my ecclesia. I mean, when people saw the disciples that had been with Jesus, they said, they said, there's something different about these guys because they speak with authority. Okay. So if we've been with Jesus, there's an authority that should come upon us. The ecclesia understanding shifts us out of one mentality. I still, we still use the word church. I mean, our church is named sure. church. We still use that word. But when we shift our mentality about what ecclesia really means. Now, when the Romans conquered the Greeks, what they did is they borrowed this term ecclesia and they didn't use it as a legislative term. They used it as a military term. Really? In the, in the Roman culture, and remember, this is who Jesus was speaking to. They were familiar with Greek culture. They were familiar with Roman culture. But they said this. They said that in the Roman culture, those that were called out of the general military population and their assignment was to form a specialized task force, the ecclesia, the Roman ecclesia. And their specific assignment was to go into all the newly conquered Roman territories and their assignment was make this new territory look just like Rome. Build buildings that look like Rome, establish culture that looks like Rome, basically replicate Rome in this new territory. And if you've traveled at all in the world, you know that the Roman, the Roman army did just that. I mean, all the way up to England, they built Roman roads, Roman amphitheaters, Roman agoras, the marketplaces. Um, they established certain Roman cultures. So when you, when you take that understanding and you translate it into what Jesus said when he said, this is how you pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
in the Greek, that literally means to superimpose heaven on earth. Oh, that's good. In other words, our job is to make this earth look like heaven. Can I ask you, and and I want to ask you a question, Jane, I hope I'm not getting too much of a rabbit trail in this, but there are people that feel the witchcraft coming on them real time. I do from time to time. Not always. Sometimes I go, why do I feel this way? I feel sick. Or other times I realize why, because of the symptom, this is witchcraft. There are people, real people, standing and doing something often. Uh, It may not always be that way, but there. Um, you used a term earlier called the blood altar. Is that what you called it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but if there are people doing something real time, if a person decrees that, here's the here are the two choices: Are you putting a barrier between all those curses and yourself, and that's what you're decreeing, or are you stopping them from doing that, or both? No. Well, I I don't know that we have the power to control their actions, but we do have the power and the authority to not allow their actions to affect us. Okay. Okay. So when we position ourselves, praying is good. Obviously we believe in prayer. I have a cup right here that says pray without ceasing. We believe in prayer. But when we shift from just a prayer mode into an ecclesia mode of releasing decrees, I mean, if you study the scriptures, you realize that Jesus never prayed for anyone to be healed. Really? He didn't. Yeah. I mean, uh, okay. He made decrees. Think about it. Stretch out your hand, be made whole, rise, take up your bed and walk. Even when he raised Lazarus, he prayed to start with, he said, father, I'm praying to you so that everybody here knows that you and I are connected. But when he actually raised him, he just said, Lazarus, come forth. He did, didn't he? They weren't prayers. Father, if it be thy will, please break this curse. Father, we know it's his will to break the curse. Father, if it be thy will, please heal me. We know it's his will. We've got to shift into a place where we start decreeing the will of God. Now, if you don't know what the will of God is, pick up your Bible and start reading the word of God out loud. Okay. In my, in my book, Declarations for Breakthrough, I've actually got written some whole decrees for healing, for authority, for family members, for finances, for blessings. I've written decrees that are based completely out of scripture. But here's what we do here, I think, is our failing. We read the scripture. We don't say the scripture. Yeah. yeah. And Jesus, did this. Jesus said, if you say to this mountain, be thou removed. Yeah, I've heard people ask on one of our Q&As recently, they said, uh, and it was about tongues in that particular question. But they said, is it okay if I pray in tongues uh, in my mind so without using my, is it okay? And I, and I said, but it's called tongues. Right. So how can you pray in tongues in your mind if it's called tongues? And so that was my, my response. So there is a demand from the Lord, if you will, that we yeah. use our mouth, our tongues to speak these things because that's how... Do you realize you can't even be saved without opening your mouth? It says that, doesn't it? If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah. Those that call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Even the word meditate uh, that is used in, in the scriptures when it says, I meditate on your word day and night. We always have translated that word in our in our thinking into I'm going to think about His word over and over. Yeah, again. that's and what we think. Because that, that renews. Does our it, mind. Doesn't mean that. 
But the word meditate actually means to murmur under your breath. Really? <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> no, no, I'm just thinking quietly meditating, you know. So when yeah. we hit these spiritual foes, you know, and these spiritual attacks, um, what the enemy wants to do is get us to draw in, to compress, to shrink back. And what God is saying is, open up your mouth with a mighty decree. I will fulfill it now. You'll see the words that you speak, so shall it be. Help Elijah Streams continue to reach people around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Streams and the Elijah Streams podcast possible. Visit ElijahStreams.com slash give and become a partner today. So that's how we fight back. Words are weapons. And does it, uh, Jane, does it have to be, uh, I'm, the, the, the reason I'm asking this is there are times when Doreen's asleep and, and sometimes my prayer life go, comes more alive in the middle of the night. But I'm not right. going to, uh, you know, I could get up and I'm a little lazy, but I'll, I'll, I will, under my breath, I will use my mouth, but I will pray and decree and declare, but I can hear it. Yes. But does that, is that less effective than if I went out there and shouted it out? I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I'm, I'm a shouter. So I think that, I think that a shout is, pro, is a, a shout is one of the most amazing weapons that we can use. But I think that when we're talking about the issue of decreeing, I think as long as you're opening up your mouth and using words, I think that the power is behind the words, not the volume. Okay, okay. That's good. Now, I believe that, you know, when we're talking about breaking curses in Numbers chapter 23, we see the whole story of, um, of a Balak hi hiring Balaam to curse the people of God. And if you remember the whole story, you know, Balaam yeah. has the encounter with the donkey that talks to him and Balaam's donkey was more discerning than he was. Um, and Balaam, you know, Jesus calls him a false prophet, but he's the only person in the book of Numbers that actually gives a true messianic prophecy. But wow. Jesus became a false prophet because his character was bad. Okay. His character, not his words, but his character was bad. And so what happened is that he, um, Balak said, curse the people of God. And Balaam said this. He said, I cannot curse these people because the shout of the king is in their midst. And so sometimes I think what we have to do is we have to shout. God arises amid shouts of praise. God has gone up with a shout. So I think that shouting is appropriate. But when we're talking about decrees, I don't think the volume matters. Yeah, I've heard I've heard it say the devil isn't exactly hard of hearing, so it doesn't have to be that because they're a soft-spoken people. Right. Literally, they, they are soft-spoken even out and about where I could get pretty loud if I'm out here. But yeah, I, okay. I'm just, and, and, and can I ask you this other question since we're drilling down on this decree? Absolutely. Do you, there are people that say and that have been teaching that it's more powerful to do it from the third heaven. And I guess they teach on seeing yourself being in the third heaven and from that place decreeing is there something to that is there anything to that well i think that um obviously we understand the courts of heaven yeah and uh, and that positioning um and i think that i think that people that that operate in that um i i probably don't necessarily go there and i find that god has given a uh, tremendous authority even in the earth realm to utilize spiritual principles to see the enemy thwarted I respect and I'm always amazed at other people that have um, a lot of those other experiences. But I think that here's what we have to be careful of. 
is that we have to be careful of of putting a standard out there that maybe some people don't experience. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Those people feel like they are then ineffective in operating in their spiritual discipline. Okay. All right. Now let me ask you one more while these thoughts are coming to me. Okay. So years and years ago, my, my daughter, my oldest, all of our kids are married. Uh, but one daughter, the oldest daughter has been married like 10, 12 years. But years before that, um, she had an experience where someone met her in the grocery store and he was able to talk her into giving her phone number away. She knew nothing about him. He, there was nothing about him that suggested he knew the Lord. It was just a guy who wanted to make a contact. And when I found out about it, this father anger rose up in me. And I said, that is not going to happen. And it happened with Doreen too. I, can't, I, think she, I think he finally called and she said, you will never call here. But is there something about the passion that rises up at times with a decree? Will a decree be more powerful when you really, from your innermost being, mean it? Right. Well, I think that I think that anytime you have a greater revelation of what that decree is saying or the, the passion that goes behind the force of what you're decreeing, I think that there's a, a greater release, I think, of, of power. But I also think that there's something in just the discipline of opening up your mouth and making decrees because God honors his word. OK, OK, so, so you're, OK, so you're saying you're taking the position that. Just obey and speak the words, right? Yes. yes. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm a very passionate, very loud person. <laughs> I'm very, very, uh, very, very expressive when I am, especially when I'm under the anointing and I'm, yeah. a, I'm a loud person and I will have everybody else shouting, <laughs> shouting and getting exuberant. But, um, but the truth of the matter is God honors his word. And so when we're making decrees, if we're decreeing, God's word and we're decreeing God's will. Um, and what I have done in declarations of breakthrough is I basically walk people through different things that God has spoken to me. And I show them how to take that revelation that God has brought, how to turn it into a decree that becomes then a weapon in your hand. My husband likes to use the, uh, the analogy. It's like, if you're trying to build something and you're using, um, you're using a saw or a screwdriver um, that can be kind of slow going, but what happens when you use power tools, yeah. you get the job done much more effectively. Well, well so, on, on the decrees so decree is a power tool on, on the decrees as you were, uh, and I think you read it cause you were looking at a uh, notes and I think you read it word for word. I have been concerned at times in my life when someone else supplied me with, cause this has happened a number of times when, when there was a real good Christian counselor and they, they kind of were in the vein that you are, you're in. Uh, and they would say, read this prayer or this decree. And it would be like a decree. It was worded more like a decree. Mm -hmm. And I would be concerned that I'm reading words and I believe what they mean. But I felt like I'm not feeling any authority. I'm reading these words. They said, read these words. So I'm <laughs> reading them. How do I know it's doing anything? So what, how would you respond to that? Well, uh, number one, um, I think that any good decree should include scriptures. So, uh, so the scripture from the Word of God and the Rhema Word that yeah, God. And I do, I do think it had uh, the scriptures. To be fair, yeah, I think yes. it did. And so, I think that there's power even in that discipline of decreeing the things that are coming from the scriptures regarding your circumstances. Yeah. But let me 
say this, I also take people through the process of knowing how to write their own decrees. That's and good. I think that a lot of times that when, when we've birthed something ourselves, when we have given life to something ourselves, we've put thought process into it, we've studied the word, we've chosen our own scriptures that mean something to us in our circumstance, then we're going to decree those and speak those with a greater level of faith. And let's just be honest, God doesn't answer words, he answers faith. Say that again. God, God doesn't answer words. He answers faith. Well, that's interesting. That's an interesting thought right there. Because we pray with words, but he's not responding to words. He, he's responding to faith. This is like the scripture says, but when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's looking for faith when that's you right. pray, right? So It actually says without faith it's impossible to please him. Yeah, amazing scripture. Okay, so we've got to we've got to understand that everything that we're doing when we're talking of either about praying, about worshiping, about making decrees, there's got to be a place of faith. The whole the whole uh, scenario when Jesus is saying if you say to this mountain be removed and be cast into the sea and it will obey you, that's all of that whole passage is about faith. Well, at, at one point he says, and don't doubt in your heart. Doubt in your heart. That's right. That's right. So, so it's it's got to be words and heart. Yeah. So that's the same thing that brings salvation is words and heart. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart. Yeah. God so, so two people could have your same decree that you just said. They could be standing next to each other. One totally believes it, is into it and is exercising faith, and they're going to see action. This one's got cynicism all over him or her, whatever, and they read the same words, and what? Maybe nothing happens. Yeah. Yep. And so I think that, you know, who truly knows the mind of the Lord, why God will move even sometimes on people that seemingly pray prayers that, that have no faith? <laughs> I've watched yeah. it happen. It's like, okay, God, I have no faith in praying for this person. I mean, I I yeah. The impossibility of the situation. Well, you know, there's that scripture that says, okay, let me see. I, I don't have it totally memorized, but it says, you know, he want, we're to be faithful. But he says, if we are faithless, he will be faithful because he can't deny himself. Is that That's pretty close that's to it. Right. And like, yeah. that just blows to heck well, everything I've, I've we just said. I've watched God heal people. I've watched God heal people. And I've been the first person that's been surprised. <laughs> it's yeah, like, so he, oh, gee, I didn't he, really have faith. He can make an exception to his own rule anytime he wants. Right. And that was one. He says, even if you're faithless, God, I'll be faithful because I can't deny myself. It's right that's there right. in the word. So that's interesting. Right. So I think that it's kind of like this. Is it better for you to say the words yeah. and pray the words and decree the words and, and let God birth faith in you? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So you might start out decreeing or, 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 or praying or whatever it is, something that somebody else has written, and maybe you don't have faith for it, but you're hearing the word. So faith is going to come. If you continue to make those decrees, if you continue to stand your ground, if you continue to let God's word be in your mouth. Now, remember, you can't let God's word be in your mouth in the next second say, oh, I don't believe in it. Yeah. I mean, you've got to let your mouth be under control. And so they've actually done some incredible studies, Steve, on um, on the power of what they call self-talk. And this is purely secular. But they say people that have an internal language and the way that they speak about themselves when it's positive, they actually excel. They they sell more. They are greater in education. They ha they 
go, you know, exceedingly beyond even what other people would expect of them. But people that have a negative self-talk um, have, you know, they, they, they struggle more with depression. They have more of a propensity to be defeated by challenges. I mean, there's so much that, that goes oh, into that. Yeah. Because I think it goes back to what the word says, faith comes by hearing. And, hearing and you know, the thing about talking, I've had countless examples of this where I'll tell, I'm about to tell something to my wife, but I don't know it at the moment. I'm either listening to a song or I'm reading a scripture or hear something I go, man, that's good. I wanted to share that with Doreen. And I hear every word of it. One of them was a song. And I say, Doreen, I want to listen to this. And I'll, uh, maybe I'm reading a passage that I just read. And as I start to open my mouth and say it out loud, the spirit hits me and I'm blubbering, weeping uh, in, under the power of the spirit in a way that I'm heaving. Uh, it's like a heaving weeping that I can't stop under the power, under the anointing of the spirit. But I had to use my mouth and I'm going, where did that come from? I just thought that was interesting until right. I said it with my mouth. Does that sound like anything you've experienced? Absolutely. Absolutely, Steve. And so I think that when people find themselves in situations like when we were talking about a spiritual attack or, you know, even even maybe struggling with depression or struggling with negativity or something. Here's what I think the Lord is saying. I think the Lord is saying, open your mouth, open your mouth and speak the promise, not the problem. That's good. That's speak good. the promise, not the problem. And if we can actually just get our mouth under control, I mean, the Bible, yeah. it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I think a lot of people are out there binding the devil and maybe what they ought to be doing is binding themselves. That's good. You know, yeah. and, you, and, you said, and you said a minute ago, and I, uh, I didn't grab hold of it at the moment you said it, but you said once you pray, uh, I'll just use the word positively, don't then don't say something negative the next minute because – now, this is my language. I would say if you just decreed that and then you said, I don't know if God will answer, you just pulled right. it back. You just right. pulled it back. You just right. took it back. And right. so um, don't take it back. Right, right. We've got to understand the power to forbid and allow are yeah. given to us. We are the ecclesia. We are God's people in the earth that are put here to legislate, to take territory, to uh, push back against every giant, whether that giant's name is Athaliah, Jezebel, Python, whatever, whatever that thing is that may be coming against you. God has given you weapons of the word, weapons of the blood of Jesus, weapons of praise and worship, weapons of your decree. So many weapons found in the in the word of God. Don't ever take the mentality that you're defeated, that you're helpless or that you're hopeless, God will arise on your faith and he'll strike down every enemy just like he did for the children of Israel when they finally got it right. It just talks about in the book of Judges. I mean, they just went in and they just wiped them all out. The That's end of the good. book of Joshua, the end of the book of Judges, they just went in there and they took authority in the land and God rose up in them the way that he originally thought he would and took out all the giants. That's good. Now, is there anything else? I want Because I haven't been following the notes because we just went where it went. But is there anything that you wanted to share that? Um... I just want to say that we are in, I think, a very important season right now. Um, and I know that we only have a couple minutes left. So let me just wrap and just say this very, very quickly. Last June, the, I was sleeping and I woke up in the middle of the night and I heard the Lord say, 
um, it's time for the hanging of Haman's 10 sons. And this goes to the book of Esther when God visited a final judgment on the lineage of Haman. It's Haman, not Haman. Okay. (laughs) But the Lord said to uh, that he was, it was going to immediately begin. And a week later, Roe versus Wade was overturned. But the Lord said said the next season between Purim, Purim, which is the Hebrew celebration of the overcoming of Haman and his 10 sons, um, the celebration of Purim to Passover to Pentecost was going to be a very key season in the body of Christ and in the earth to see a lot of the strategies of hell that have been sent um, against the righteous, but also against our nation and against nations that we're going to see Haman's devices of death and destruction overturned. This is going to be a time to see the overturning of the decrees of the I had seen that, and now that you say it, it says, I knew that between Purim and Passover to Pentecost would be a time of incredible uncovering of wickedness and hid things being exposed. And I, I thought when I, when you come to that, I want to ask you, are you referring to hidden things and wickedness being exposed in the church? Is it in the nation or is it both? What What, what is that? All of the above. All of the above. Okay, yes. So wick, all wickedness, the above. In, wickedness in both places, church and state, if you use that term. Yes, okay. all of the above. And I think that it's a, that it's a time that, uh, um, you know, even going back to 2020 um, and 2021, I just, you know, when everything kind of went crazy in the last election cycle, um, I just heard the Lord say, tell the people I'm up to something. I love it. And I, I leaned in it. hoping that God was going to tell me what he was up to, but he did not. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew when he said it, he was saying, my people are going to have to trust me in this. Yeah. To something that and he's going to do and he's going to do it's pretty easy for almost any believer if you're halfway paying attention to know that when everything went wrong and cattywampers whatever word you use one thing that's happened between that and this is we've seen unprecedented evil being exposed like we never knew existed before and at a level we never knew existed the occultic child sacrifice child trafficking all of the above uh and so um if if it had gone the way we wanted it to, when we wanted it, we would have never seen that. And so, praise God for uh, that's. I think that's going to be part of it. But there's, we'll we'll know the story when we know the story. But I well, mean, I think that's your seatbelts. It's going to yeah. get wild. And so, with those two time periods, we just hit Purim a couple of days ago, right? Purim or Purim, and then Purim when does, is called the holiday of reversals. Okay, and then up through Pass Passover and uh, Pentecost. When is, do you know when those dates are at all? When um, Passover is one month and one day after Purim. Okay. And so that's that's going to mean about uh, April 7th or so. And then Pentecost, I think, is uh, 50 days later. So. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty short order as in time, you know, yes, a lot of uncovered. So, yeah. I mean, and uh, one last thought, because we've, I, you and I, in places of leadership, we hear things about mega sins being exposed in churches that maybe never gets promoted or said out loud, are we about to experience some exposures that we're all going to hear about from the church? Are, is that coming, Jane? Is it going to be hard to, hard to accept what we see coming? 
I mean, I think that judgment always begins at God's house. Yeah. So I think that if God's saying that he's going to deal with Haman and his 10 sons, um, I think that God's interested in getting them out of the church as well, exposing those things in the church as well. And, um, and I think that all of us, this is a, you know, this, this is a season of revival, but it's not just an emotional high revival. It's a, yeah. it's a revival of holiness. Yeah. It's calling each and every one of us back to a place of examining our own hearts. I've written a book on discernment and listen, before we're discerning devils and angels and all that stuff, we need to look at our own heart and we need to let God go in and deal with our own heart and our own stuff uh, to make us ready for everything that, that is ahead. So um, be careful about judging the world yeah. and, and not and, judging your own heart. So. Yeah, look for yourself. Yeah, there's that scripture that who are you to judge the servant of another? There's that thing. And right. then there are there are opposing scriptures that would maybe sound something different, but but um, look to yourself lest you be be caught in a silly, you know, it's like if you find a brother and sin, restore him gently, lest you yourself be overtaken. There's a thing about judgment. Or you're so convinced that somebody is so wrong that you just take off after them publicly. The Lord's the Lord is warning against that kind of thing. He's basically saying, don't do that. Absolutely. You know, I, I as a prophet, you know, there's times that you see and you sense um, sin that's that's going on within the lives of even even leaders and things like that. And, and my heart's cry is that they could get it right without yeah. it being exposed. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think yeah. that that's. Thank God that from in my life, I mean, I don't think, feel like I have some big glaring sin, but you know what? Thank God that God's not shouting my weaknesses and, yeah. my, and my shortcomings from the, yeah. from the, I'd, I'd much rather get it right between me and God and, and have my own opportunity to repent. And so that's yeah. really my heart cry for any of these leaders that may be caught in stuff. But I'm telling you, if they won't repent, if they're not letting God deal with them, then God will, then God will bring exposure. Yeah. But it doesn't bring me yeah, no, no, nor, nor should it bring any of us joy. But the only joy part would be the cleaning up of the church. But but, but the sadness, you know, uh, there's so many scriptures that talk about that. I mean, God cleaned up, started the cleanup of Israel with Saul. And Absolutely. then Samuel kept weeping until God finally had to say, that's enough. Quit that's crying. Right. I, I cleaned that mess up. That's know? exactly right. So anyway, listen. Get on about the kingdom business. Get on business. Well, uh, Jay, would you pray for the people, whatever God gives you? That would be nice. Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for uh, everyone that's listening to this broadcast, Lord, yes, both Lord. live and later. And I just pray right now, Father God, Lord, I pray what Paul prayed for the church at Ephesus, that God would grant them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in yes, the knowledge Lord. of him, that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened and they would know what is the hope of their calling. I thank you, Father, that whatever may be coming against them, whatever battle they may be facing, God, Lord, that you're going to give them revelation, Lord, about what the source of the battle is. Lord, but also that you're going to give them wisdom to know how to respond. I pray, Father, that you would raise us up like reformers, raise us up like the sons of Issachar. Lord, that we would have an understanding of the times and know what to do. Yes, I thank you, Father God, that the Issachar tribe was a valiant tribe, a valiant warring tribe. And I thank you, Father, that whatever people are going through in their life, Father, I thank you, God, that they're getting a revelation that they've got a warrior that lives inside of them. They've got a curse breaker that lives inside inside of them. They've got a yoke destroyer that lives inside of them by the Holy Ghost. And so I pray right now, Father God, that you would give us the proper understanding of the identity that you birthed us into, God, that we are 
the ecclesia and God, that you're looking to us, Father God, to open up our mouths, to make decrees, to pray prayers that change the heavens and the earth and God to speak and to speak things that cause a shift that will shift nations and shift generations. Father, I thank you, God, for blessing each and every one, bringing us out of any assignment or any captivity of the enemy. We break the assignment of Athaliah. And I thank you, Father God, that again, God, that we're rising up in victory as giant killers. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Jane, thank you so much. Very, very good. Very, very, very good and helpful. Great teaching, great revelation. So thank you so much. I hope to have you back again before too. We won't wait so long this time. So <laughs> always a joy to see you, Steve. Always, it's, it's always a joy to be with you. A quick reminder, everyone, that Manuel Johnson will be with us uh, tomorrow. So don't miss that. Everybody have a great day. We'll see you again same time tomorrow. God bless you. Is this Friday? This is Thursday. So that'll be Friday. <laughs> I'm missing out, missing out on my week. Okay. God bless you. Have a great day, everybody. See you later. This has been Elijah Streams. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can listen to the Elijah Streams podcast at ElijahStreams.com on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Join us live every weekday at 11 a.m. Pacific time at ElijahStreams.com on Rumble and Facebook. Elijah Streams is part of Elijah List Ministries. Go to ElijahStreams.com slash give to become a partner today.